2: Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Today, we fly high with Acro Yoga co-founder Jason Niemer. Jason is a community connector who has led the rapid expansion of Acro Yoga internationally through his passion for divine play. Jason's enthusiasm for acrobatics is second only to his devout practice of yoga. He is a world-traveling nomadic yogi who has introduced world leaders and superstar celebrities to the true power of human
1: connection through acroyoga. Use the wisdom of the practice to navigate a lot of my decisions about how to be in community and how to be authentic and how to let other people be their authentic self. If you're an acroyogi, you have your yoga lineage. Some are Kundalini, some are Ashtanga, some are Bikram and you become an acroyogi. So by design, you are already open to at least two styles of yoga. And as soon as you open your mind to that, we really have the potential for us to not only celebrate diversity, but live in that diversity.
2: Get ready to go hand-to-hand as we stack up with this acroyoga man, Jason Niemer, on this outstanding episode of the Yoga Revealed Podcast. I feel really excited to bring to you guys today the amazing Jason Niemer super excited to interview him today he's an absolutely creative thinker and one of the most inspirational yogis that I know who has built his passion into what is now known as acro yoga and it just ah, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today thanks thanks for having me yes indeed yes indeed Um, So the way that we usually start these is from the beginning. Um, We really like to know more about where you came from, how yoga was first revealed to you, and kind of like your your culture, how you grew up, um, what kind of led you into the idea of practicing yoga, and how it came about. Okay, where it all began. I
1: came from my mother, and she was actually my first yoga teacher as well. She was an amazing, and still is, uh, California hippie, and she went to, not UCLA, she went to LA after high school, met my dad, who was going to UCLA, did some partner yoga, some kundalini stuff, and she taught me transcendental meditation when I was four, Uh, well, let me me start over. I was born in Mexico City, my dad is Mexican, my mom is American, it was during... um, the late 60s. It was America, Love It or Leave It, Vietnam War, and she was not loving it, so she left it. She went to Latin America for seven years, not speaking any Spanish, and so she learned a lot about life and culture, and I was raised in that idea that it's not just one land or one culture. Um, At the same time, they didn't teach me Spanish, so I knew I was (laughs) Mexican, but I didn't really feel those roots until later. And this is a a long story, but I'll I'll try to keep connecting the dots. So during commercials, my mom would teach us how to do shoulder stands and we'd watch TV upside down. And there was a (laughs) lot of yoga that came through her, but I didn't even know it was yoga. It was just how we would play. And then when I actually found Yoga Yoga, well... Let me let me back up, when I was 12 I started gymnastics and in gymnastics, in a warm up, you do urvadhanarasana, hanumanasana, paschimottanasana. So I was introduced to a lot of the asanas through gymnastics and did gymnastics from 12 to 23 uh, at the competitive level. And when I went to college was, I, was when I took my first yoga class and it was at 8 a.m. yoga class and I was going to UCSD and I would always show up about 15 minutes late to the hour-long yoga class I'm in <laughs> bed thinking I don't want to get out of bed And what was amazing to me is i had been stretching and doing flexibility training for over a decade But it wasn't until yoga that I found the ability to connect breath with movement. And you know at the end of the class she would say these really beautiful poetic things that would stick with me And I'd leave the yoga class and just be floating all day long and just mm-hmm. appreciating life in such a different way. So that really shaped my my perspective of how I could evolve what I'd already learned through acrobatics. And the first yoga training that I did was actually a Bikram yoga teacher training. It's one of my dirty secrets. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I chose that, I had a friend who's a fire performer and... I had a Cirque du Soleil audition, and basically what my goal was, I graduated college, and I asked myself, what do I want to do? I want to keep doing acrobatics. I want to keep performing. Like, I did school to get my parents off my back, got a degree in economics, but the passion never left me. When I was in college, I was teaching adult gymnastics, and I was teaching trampoline at the college. So my passions always directed me back to acrobatics.
2: Well, I was going to ask you, From the beginning of starting in acro in acrobatics, um, kind of like your... I I would say that's why acro came first in acroyoga, kind of your timeline of actually developing your skills. Tell me a little bit about what you learned in acrobatics and how that discipline translated into
1: yoga. So acrobatics is and was and is just... It's amazing. It's a system that is... Similar to how yoga used to be. Yoga used to be very much guru disciple and you couldn't find books on it. And right now, if you uh, go on the web and you search acrobatic books, it's really hard to find the knowledge. So I was lucky enough to find these people that had these secret arts. And I was taught in traditional gymnastics and also partner acrobatics. And it didn't take me that long to get to a pretty high level in the sport and what i realized the first time i went uh, to compete internationally was junior world championships in china in 91 i was 16 my partner was 12 yeah and when i went there i saw the highest level acrobatics in the world i saw the chinese doing crazy shit (laughs) and it was super inspiring but at the same time like i have to compete against these people how's it going to work and in one of the routines, the Chinese fell and we didn't, and we ended up beating China. We were the only they were the only Chinese team that were beat at all at that world championship. So it was super encouraging to be like, wow, I could be the best in the world. So it inspired me and it also opened me. When I got back, I looked at the compulsory systems that the US had, and they just were really poorly put together. So I was super inspired and I'd been training myself and other athletes, and I took a look at the system and decided I wanna make a better system. And gymnastics actually influenced my eye of how to develop athletes. Acrobatics didn't have that linear progression as clearly laid out. So me and my friend, a diving coach, created a compulsory system from scratch that was amazing compared to what the system was. And we showed up to the technical committee meeting with these little booklets, handed them out to 10 or 15 very influential people quite a few of them that were pissed because they'd made the old system, but <laughs> it, it was so much better. They ended up adopting it. So wow, that was a big process of looking at, these are the best acrobats in the world. How do I break that down and go backwards and teach people in America how to get to that level?
2: Wow. So what immediately, um, translated into your practice actually transformed into your teaching. So, in that sense, um, when you decided to, you know, present these pamphlets to, you know, these super influential coaches, what was your thought process and how you wanted to develop the people? Yeah, I understand where you're What going. was your thought process and how you wanted to develop the people in your community?
1: Well, I looked at my community as the U.S. acrobats because I was focused on being the best country in the world in competitive acrobatics, and what happened is... I looked at how you could, in one season, this came from gymnastics, In when I was a competitive gymnast, you have a routine, and throughout the season, as you get better, you can substitute a jump to handstand with a press handstand. So as you're going through a season, you can keep upgrading your skills, and the bonus skills in one level are the beginning skills in the next. So it's just a really intelligent system. So in acrobatics, what I looked at is I didn't want athletes for one year to only train one skill set i wanted them to have the ability to upgrade their skill set as their timing got better their strength got better so that was the main difference in the system the old compulsories there were some foundational skills that taught bad technique for high level stuff there's a thing called a leg pitch backflip. it's where you hold somebody's leg you pitch them and to do it you have to throw your head back and if children do that skill they learned that a flip is started by throwing the head back and as soon as you have that pattern you can't do high level flipping because your foundation is is poor so i took a lot of the skills that were kind of taking the potential away and made it really um just very linear and step by step and upgradable so i'd say that those were the big shifts and upgrades in the system
2: awesome so at that time you were already at a very at a very educated stage to be able to break things down and be able to reiterate it in a very digestible way. So give me an idea as to when yoga came into your life, how you decided to incorporate this acrobatic knowledge and the yoga knowledge to really create what you have today as
1: acroyoga. What what that did in acrobatics for me is it gave me the, the real experience of having a vision and creating a system. So I did that when I was 17. And at the time, that was the hardest I'd ever worked in my life. It was, I think we spent about five months on the project. And, you know, back then it wasn't as easy to use computers. So it was all drawn by hand and then photocopied. And we went to Kinko's and had these huge (laughs) sheets of paper. And it was, um, it really helped me see how to follow through with a vision. And then when I got with the yoga, it was really just in some way copy paste it was okay what are the end goals we want in acrobatics we want to get to a hand-to-hand in therapeutics we want people to be able to give an hour-long massage in yoga we want people to be able to incorporate the wisdom of acrobatics through dynamic strength building and also be able to balance the body through opening muscles and not just building strength but really building a balance so I would say what yoga did that was unique is it, like, like the word, it brought things together. It brought the extremes of therapeutics and the extremes of acrobatics into a swinging pendulum that depending on where you are in your day, where you are in your life, you can choose different things that are going to fit and match and hopefully balance you. So a lot of the ideas of life balance and physical and emotional balance come from that idea of yoga. That's awesome.
2: I would say in knowing you for the past year and a half, two years now, um, I've really seen how well you balance your work, life, and also your practice. And your practice is fairly extensive um, to the point of what I would say a very high guru in the sense that there's no one else that I know that can teach hand to hand to the sense of detail that you do. And it's amazing to also see that you can take that high-level acrobatics and then bring it down to this Thai massage. The other day, I was just you know working with you on some simple Thai massage like the Russian Twist, and bam, you're showing me this whole new world of how easily you can release lower back muscles and really bring someone into a state of full relaxation. So I want to learn more about your masters, the people who helped you get to where you are today. Um, maybe highlight three of your best teachers, people sure. that you really look
1: up to. Well, one thing that um, I want to be clear about in, in in myself and communicate to all the people that are listening is I definitely don't see myself as a guru and to some degree, I like, I love words and uh, the Shakti that's captured in the words and I took an Asian philosophy class in college that also totally blew my mind and this teacher gave us the Tao Te Ching in Chinese characters and in four different definitions broken down in English. And what was awesome was to be able to read a character that had 10 different meanings. And I got really into the power of mindful word selection. And his, one of his examples that stuck with me is responsibility. It's the ability to respond and awesome. There's so many words that have that power. So guru means the one that takes, uh, that brings the light, that takes the shadows away. And I think as far as uh, mastery goes, I do feel that at this point, I've got 20, almost 29 years of acrobatic experience, and I've trained with a lot of masters. I do feel that I have mastery in acrobatics. Yoga, I've got 13 years practice. I feel like I'm an enthusiastic intermediate practitioner. <laughs> and as far as a human, I've, I've got 40 years, and I've learned a lot, and I've traveled a lot, but I don't pretend to be a guru or to have spiritual wisdom that uh, I want to bestow upon the world. I have a lot of passions that I feed, and I've got a lot of practices that I've developed, and so that's that's just a, a side note that's important for me to share. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as influential teachers, it would really depend on what direction, um, yoga, acrobatics, or healing arts, because those are my three disciplines that I've really dove into, and so... I would say for our
2: audience, really the healing arts and
1: the yoga. Great. So, my most influential yoga uh, person that I do consider a guru is Sri Dharma Mitra, and <clears throat> I met him in Los Angeles, oof, maybe, maybe twelve years ago, very early in my yoga path, and it was when Bikram put on the Yoga Expo. It was uh, he had fifteen hundred people that did a Bikram yoga class and. Dharma came to that class and as he was walking by the stage, touched Bikram's feet. I got to see the two of them meet each other for the first time. And it was amazing because Bikram is a fiery dude. He's a meat eater. He's like a tiger. And Mm -hmm. Dharma is like one of the sweetest baboons you'll ever meet. He's got Mm -hmm. these long arms and he kind of floats around and and Bikram was really like excited and a little bit agitated and Dharma was so calm and when I went to his first class he says and now you will close your eyes and focus on the third eye and we'll chant an Aum and boom I saw purple and I was like what is this and he just has consistently unlocked so much magic in my life and when I met him I just was fascinated to watch him you know he would be when he eats, he looks at every leaf before he puts it in his mouth. And his mindfulness is just on point. And he taught, uh, psychic development techniques. And I Mm -hmm. did these techniques and I did his teacher trainings and I hung out with him. And I was in New York and this woman I'd never met came in, a friend of a friend. She's like, yeah, my dad died last year. And I just yelled out brain cancer. She's like, oh my God, how did you know? I'm like, well, I've been doing this psychic development thing. (laughs) with my teacher, and, uh. So my cities really got activated by, by Dharma Mitra. Mm-hmm. He's been amazing. Um, Sienna Sherman is another dear friend and big yoga uh, influence on me. And she came from many different backgrounds. But when I met her, she was very uh, enthusiastic about Anasara. Anasara. Yep. Yeah,
2: she's one of my favorite teachers as well. And I, your two top teachers already are just like some of the people that I hold near and dear to my heart.
1: Yeah, and what she really brought to me was um, not only the system of Anyasara, which is brilliant, and I have studied with John and I have a lot of respect for his intellect and his uh, ability to bring a lot of powerful healing um, through yoga. And also with Siyana, she's, she's a mystic, she's a storyteller, she brings magic to people's lives. And uh, I was just really I felt like when I met her, I was starting yoga from scratch, because everything I learned in gymnastics, the alignment might work for gymnastics, but the alignment didn't work for opening the totality of my being. So I, I relearned a lot of ways to move and open my body through her her guidance. And then third, not because he's third place, he's whew, such a huge influence on me, is Scott Blossom. He's an Ayurvedic doctor, he's a Chinese medicine ninja, acupuncturist, and a shadow yoga teacher. and. I've been doing shadow yoga for about five years i had some back pain on and off for about four or five years and about six months into my shadow practice so about four and a half years ago i've been pretty much pain-free in my spine i attribute a lot of that to my shadow practice and also just the Ayurvedic wisdom, I would ask Scott, hey, what do I do when I get off a 12-hour flight? He's like, okay, you drink half a beer, you have some soup, you take a bath, you go for a walk, don't do anything strenuous, and I would just tap into his skill set and his wisdom on how to live a more balanced life, and he would, you know, check my pulses, look at my tongue, and do do these little checkups every six months or so. I'd get a shadow yoga private, and he just really helped keep me on track because my lifestyle has been insane. I've been on the road for four years nonstop, not in one place longer than three weeks. I should be dead for <laughs> the lifestyle I live, but I'm really fed by my community and I'm really fed by what I do. And I have amazing teachers like him that really give me a lot of uh, tricks to keep it on track.
2: Definitely. So let's segue directly into what you just touched on tricks to keeping you on track when in travel. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like you are definitely one of the most well-traveled people that I know other than perhaps the guy that we're going to go do a private with today, Tim Ferris, you know, like that guy's been traveling, but yeah. I'd say you're, you're pretty bet, high bet, up I there. I bet I got Tim. I yeah? bet I got Tim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have a friend I'll introduce you to. She's, uh, 10 years younger than me, and she had 10 countries on me as of a couple years ago. She, I think she's been to 40-some countries, and I'm in the mid-30s. So. Wow. Yeah, Bonnie Argo, I'll get you an interview at some point. Oh, definitely. <laughs>
2: Bonnie's amazing. That she was is amazing. my teacher trainer. Yeah, exactly. You know, Acro Yoga teacher trainer right there. Yeah. Baby yeah. Bon Bon.
1: Exactly. She's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so give me a few tips on how to stay sane while
1: you're traveling around the world. I think one thing is... uh Rituals, and I think that Western culture is really um, lacking rituals. It's spirituality is not um, something that is accepted as a public practice, and even as a private practice, I think it's looked on as something that's a little bit weird, and it doesn't mean that you need to have religion to have rituals, but there is something really powerful to your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, all aligning in certain ways So some of my rituals, especially if I'm on a plane, whenever I fly to a different time zone, I never think about, well, for me, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. No, no, no. (laughs) For me, the time is where I'm at. And Mm -hmm. I never go to sleep before the sun goes down. I don't care if it's a 15 hour flight and I land at 6 a.m. I find a way to stay awake until the sun goes down. and. If I'm going to be landing and I'm in a plane, you know, I'll have orange juice. I'll brush my teeth. I'll wash my face in the bathroom. So I really just trick my body into thinking it's morning now. Um, liquids are really, really important. Oils are important. So hydration is the, the first step to, um, health and happiness. Cause the planes are like, uh, a, a dehydrator. It sucks totally. the, the liquid out of your eyes, out of anywhere it can. So, um, tricks on the plane before i get on a plane if i have a long flight i'll take a bath and i do abhyanga which is just basically rubbing oil all over your body and shivarei Told me about this many years ago. I'm like, whatever you hippie freak. I don't want pimples. <laughs> That's not healthy. And then I went to India and did an Ayurvedic week-long Abhyanga. I'm like, okay, I get it. So if you don't know what Abhyanga is, Google that. Rub some oil up on your body. So I basically go in kind of like a mummy coated in oil.
2: <laughs> so so you're completely hydrated inside and you can flow freely knowing that you're oiled up and you can kind of slip in
1: through. <laughs> well, the oil, it kind of, it like I said, it's like a mummy. It's like a protective layer that doesn't mm-hmm. let me get turned into a raisin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I land, depending on what time it is, um, this is a Scott thing, going for a walk, you know, nothing too vigorous right when you land. And just going for a walk also helps you smell what plants are there and just helps you drop in. If you just land and go straight to a hotel and, and you know, Smell that it's not really gonna give you the the earth that you mm-hmm. need. Um, I don't know about everyone's dosha, but he tells me I can have half a beer to one beer. I've never had half a beer, but I always have one, but I don't do two. And he says it's to calm my nervous system, and it, it really makes sense. Um, and right. I was, I've been vegan, I've been vegetarian, I've been a lot of things, and uh, I was in an airport in Mexico City, and my choices were lettuce. Or a chicken soup. And I did the chicken soup. I was vegetarian at the time, but I just felt like, you know, cold salad is not very compassionate to my dosha. It doesn't hydrate me. It's cold. It's not gonna give me nutrients. So, to some degree, flexibility in my diet um, has been important, but flexibility in a way that really listening to what my body needs, and he's really big on soups. He says soups are very digestible, they're warming, it turns into blood without a lot of work. So I wouldn't eat a lot of heavy food, hard food to process. Soups are my go-to. Awesome.
2: When you get to these places, um, you said you have a few rituals like taking a walk. What do you feel helps you really attune to the environment and the community there?
1: Uh, definitely just taking time to, to be with the people. So. Um, being a teacher and having this teacher-student relationship is one thing. At this point, since I've been traveling so long and I have so many friends, I have people around the world that really I consider my family. So if I get to, like when I go to Germany, I get to hang out with Pascal, Julia, and their daughter Leah, who's three years old, who I've been seeing since she was a, a little tiny baby. So checking in with my global family um, is super grounding, really nurturing, and just, you know, taking the piss out of each other, laughing, <laughs> having a bottle of wine over dinner, playing games, flying each other. Definitely body work. My God. You know, if you get off a plane and you land in the arms and feet of an acroyogi and you get a tie fly, like there's really not anything better than take a bath, have half, half to one beer, soup, a tie fly and singing. I love singing. Bhakti has been, I traveled the world with a harmonium for a year before I learned how to play the ukulele. And, uh, I used to say bhakti is a heavy practice because that Mm. shit is not easy to drag around the world. But a lot of times I would land, I'd open up the harmonium, I would sing for like 10, 15 minutes. And then I feel like my soul lands in my body more. Mm. A little hippie, but try it. Tell me how it works for you guys. (laughs) Definitely.
2: I'm a big singer in the shower type person. I love to hum when I'm cooking. I definitely feel you in that sense. I want to touch on the community that you've built. You said that you travel to these places and the people that you visit are like your family. And one thing that I've really understood and learned to connect with you more on is how present you are with all the people that you communicate with. And that sense of presence really brings forth a sense of relative connection. And I want to touch a little bit more on the communities that you've built around the world and how you've cultivated them to now what is it 600 teachers worldwide?
1: Over 700 Acroyoga teachers and about 240 AY Fit instructors. Wow. That's huge. 1000. Yeah, um well to the to the detriment of my company, the first I'd say 10 years, I would spend 95% of my attention and my energy on the ground, being present with people like you said, training teachers, training students. And what I didn't do is I didn't give my company and my team that much time or attention because I felt that the most important thing I can do is be with the people that I'm with. And that worked really well for quite a while and I still am doing that. But I would say at this point, it's been about two years now I realized that the wisdom of the practice of AcroYoga hadn't filtered up to how I do business with the with the team that I have. And the team used to be me, Jenny, and Rob. And, you know, it has grown from that to a team of eight people, which you're one of them, as you yes, know. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and it's been amazing to take the wisdom of the practice up to the people that are tending and supporting the global community. So I would say being present with the people that i'm with and having really honest communication with them and what i've been realizing a lot in the past couple years is i don't want to have a life philosophy for myself and then a life philosophy for how i interact with aqua yoga teachers and then a life a business philosophy and change the hats and change the philosophies my life philosophy is how I am with myself and how I am with myself is how I want to be with other people and how I am with other people is how I want to be with the people that I'm running the business with. So it's really simplified. I look for the win-win. I look for the ability to really listen to people and acrobatics and yoga and healing arts are an amazing tool to attune your ability to listen and The more that I'm able to listen, the more intelligent decisions I can make for myself, for my friends, for my community. So I feel like it's a big uh, internal loop of connecting to who I am and what my passions are, hearing what my friends want to do and where they're at. And part of the struggle that I've really learned a lot in the past four years is there have been acroyoga teachers that have created their own lineages of acroyoga. And in the beginning, it was terrifying. It was really like... And also really hurtful. Like, this is my baby. How could you kidnap my baby and mm. put a mustache on it and call it your baby? <laughs> like, it's, you know, I, I know you don't swear, but I'll say, it. Was, that's fucked up. You know, how could you do that? And I went through a lot of growing and I had a lot of really good friends that were super honest with me and they called me out on my shit. They're like, look, this is your, your issue. It's not their issue. They're not doing anything wrong. And I had some really, really good friends say some really hard things for me to hear but what has happened since then is, I've really come to a place of deep alignment with the majority of the people out in the world that are sharing the practice. And Josh Young and Lizzie are, are two of them. They started Aqua Revolution with uh, some of their friends, Aaron and Waka and Sarah. And in the beginning, it was really difficult. And we even talked about, you know, what maybe you shouldn't come to the Divine Play Festival. You know, we're we're not aligned anymore. And there has not been an excommunication from the community when these things have happened we've been able to really well with josh it was awesome i i said let's let's get together and just play and we were really in a dark place we couldn't even really talk and and in divine play we flew for like 45 minutes without talking about anything and we got done we just looked at each other and like you feel good yeah how about you yeah and we like hugged it out and we didn't have to go to therapy we didn't have to have mediation and then we taught a class I wanted to call it "Big Problems and Small Solutions." <laughs> Josh didn't like that. Josh is like six foot seven, um, but we taught a class, and, and in the beginning of the class, we told the class, "Like, look, we've we've been fighting for the past year, and we decided to use this practice to help us find that common ground again, and it's been amazing." Like I said, to use the wisdom of the practice to navigate a lot of my decisions about how to be in community and how to be authentic and how to let other people be their authentic self Acroyoga by design is never going to be like a lot of the other types of yoga that are if you're an ashtangi you're an ashtangi and all the other yoga sucks potentially you know just like religion can be if you're an acroyogi, you have your yoga lineage some are kundalini some are ashtanga some are bikram and you become an aqua yogi so by design you are already open to at least two styles of yoga and as soon as you open your mind to that and you have beloved friends that believe different types of yoga and then you're like wow and we actually believe differently about food and we believe differently about how you should conduct yourself in relationships and since we're all in this petri dish together doing experiments and living life we really have formed to a large degree the potential for us to not only celebrate diversity, but live in that diversity. And the fact that it's a global practice now and there's acroyoga on every continent, it's not just Americans that are learning about diversity. There's a whole world out there that's getting more exposed to other people because you don't need language once you know the practice. So you can play with a Chinese or a Russian person that speaks no English and you have this human connection and this ability to understand somebody without words. Wow. That speaks volumes in itself. Um, Just the idea
2: that the wisdom of this practice is now spreading worldwide. And I know just in the social media that we are literally worldwide. There's people practicing yoga in Japan. There's people practicing yoga in Brazil, Argentina, all the way in, you know, Czech Republic and... (laughs) all over the place. What I wanted to ask is, what do you feel has been the key catalyst in being able to translate this whole practice to every single culture? I mean, people from Africa to uh, people in China are now practicing yoga. What makes it so palatable?
1: I got an email from a woman in Australia maybe about eight years ago. And she said, "I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a circus performer. I'm a body worker. I love what you're doing. I want to be an acroyoga teacher, but I can't fly to Europe and California three times to do these immersions and then the teacher training. What should I do?" And I, I, I really heard that request, and I felt, I felt her struggle, and at the same time, I, because of my gymnastics background, or any number of reasons. I have a really high bar for excellence when it comes to teaching. I've been a teacher since I was 12. Since I started practicing, I've been teaching the kids class. So I don't want people, I don't allow people to skip steps in the system because I feel so strongly about, hey, people can get really hurt in yoga, in acrobatics, in healing arts, and I really wanna have a strong foundation. So I told her, I said, look, I am dedicated to training people To get them to a high enough level that eventually there'll be a teacher training in Australia, and it it seemed like a boastful thing to say at that time because we'd only done them in Europe and California, I think, one in Hawaii, Um, and she heard that, and it took about five years after that email, and we did an immersion, a bunch of immersions, and a teacher training in Australia. So where what I think I've done well is. Like I said, I've been investing 95% of my energy in training a global army, and this this came from Dharmamitra. I get done with the teacher training, he's handing out the certificates, and he says, and now you are all yoga teachers. Go build an army, <laughs> and I just remember thinking, all right, I got this. I got this because I was doing acro yoga the whole time I was with him, and he loved it. I flew him, and he when I taught, when I when I assisted him, he would always have me. Okay, now Jason will teach you something very, very interesting and fun. <laughs> um, so since I've dedicated a lot to creating not only the systems but training the people all over the world at this point, and it's taken 12 years. I'm not hoping to die, but I could die, and the practice is not going to stop growing. There are enough global leaders now that I never have to travel again, and we can have level one certified acroyoga teachers all over the world. So um, I've been really focused on creating the, the troop of people that have the wisdom to ignite the fire of acroyoga in people.
2: So what do you feel is the core of acroyoga?
1: It's Connection. Yeah, I would say that that's at the core. And the more that we connect to our phones and we all have different relationships to the phones, I would say at this point, the majority of Americans, when you wake up, what's the first thing you do? I would say 51% at least mm-hmm. are going to look at the phone before the eyes even come into fo- focus, before you even take 10 breaths. And I'm guilty of that often. And I take, I take little phone fasts as well. Um, but I think, Yeah prioritizing in a new way can be really powerful. So in the morning when we wake up, what should we connect to? I also like not being rigid. So sometimes I'm really excited to see if, if, if I got a text from this cute girl or mm-hmm. if if I got an email from this festival that I really want to go to. Um, but I think, again, rituals, are, rituals can be powerful. And I do a practice with, with my company. We do monthly mantras. And each month... When we get done with the mantra we share with the team okay this is what i learned and this is where my new direction is so um i don't think there's a fixed recipe for how to start the day other than taking time for yourself and what i've done for this year is from wake up which is usually around 7 a.m uh till 10 i'm i'm really trying not to schedule anything so i've got the first three hours of the day to check my emails if i want to but i could also play music or do handstands or take a bath and do self-massage. And taking time for myself to start the day, I think is a really powerful way to just make sure I'm full. So when I step into the world, I can offer more and not feel uh, that I didn't have any time to really center. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit more about stepping into the world with
2: Acra Yoga. For those listeners who haven't ever tried Acra Yoga, where
1: can they try it and why should they try it? So at this point, the practice is expanding tremendously, and I've been randomly at many parks around the world, in Europe, in Asia, and, you know, you'll you'll see the tribe. You'll see some people with a slack line, maybe a juggler or two, and some people that are going upside down unanimously when I'm, you know, around the world. This happened in, in Holland in a park in Amsterdam this year. I just, just went up to them and said, hey, you know, what are you guys doing? And I, you know, I was, I was incognito. They had no idea who I was, and I just played with them. And in general, the acroyoga community is really friendly and open. Um, I also think that getting instruction is amazing when you're beginning anything. So there are 700 plus teachers all over the world. Acroyoga.org. We're having a new website that's launching in the next uh, month or two. The find a class feature we already have a website and it does work but we're, we're really trying to optimize it so it can connect teachers and students we're working on an app as well but the the short answer to the short question is on the website you can find teachers there and there are also online resources and there's a manual and uh, DVDs that we are digitizing because nobody has D- DVDs anymore. You mean a YouTube channel? <laughs> YouTube channel, yeah. Wow. It's not an 8-track. It's not, it's not a VHS. <laughs> we're we're awesome. evolving the practice like like the world does. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little
2: bit more about what you guys have going on in Jamaica.
1: Oh, my God. So Jamaica is one of my favorite cultures in the world, and I know you're not supposed to have favorites, but I do. It's Thailand, Mexico, Jamaica... And California is my top four. Hawaii is mixed in there. So I really (laughs) like tropical, warm, spicy. I feel you completely. Yeah. And I went two years in a row for a Jamaica yoga conference. And each time I fell in love more and more with the community. And I found these people in Treasure Beach, which is in the south. It's I think 5,000 people live down there. It's this little fishing village that is just so full of wisdom. And in general, the Jamaican culture for me, I had no idea where all the wisdom came from, but there was a Rastafari PhD, Chinese medicine. uh, What else was he? he? He'd done a lot of Indian studies, and he, at the second year's Jamaica conference, did the opening and gave a talk about Jamaican culture. He's Jamaican. And I had no idea that Indian, well, first of all, it's Indians, it's Chinese, West African, and white people from England, basically, that mix mix their cultures. Mm-hmm. And a lot of yoga and a lot of the Rastafari religion came from India. Like, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, West Indian. I'm from Barbados and that's my facial features i'm west indian yeah
1: well they they, they thought they were landing in india that's why they're called indians that's um, but it was <laughs> that really, <too>. yeah <laughs> and there's a lot of the shivites that they smoke ganja in india and they have all these death rituals and the dreadlocks is part of you know non attachment to being connected to society you want to be a step outside so the the vegetarian diet a lot of these things have their roots so i felt like oh my god there's so much yoga wisdom but the thing that's unique to jamaica that i feel applies to acro yoga is there's a diverse group of people that are coming together and finding unity and you know everyone loves bob marley music but Mm -hmm. i didn't know like he's a hero there Mm -hmm. and i met this six-year-old girl that grabbed my ukulele and was playing it and i'm like hey, you know, whose birthday is it tomorrow? I'm like, oh, it's Bob Marley's birthday. Everyone knows when his birthday is. It's this huge celebration. And I got to teach about 5,000 Jamaican children in a one-week period. I taught 1,500 Catholic schoolgirls their opening prayer. And basically, I got to ta- teach them yoga. And instead of saying spirit, I got to say the word God. And then I got to work with the cheerleaders, and I got to teach them acrobatics. And we went to a bunch of schools and really got to ignite the population about what acroyoga can do for them. Because in Jamaica, unfortunately, it's uh, it's a bit of a homophobic culture. Like if there's two men sitting on a bus, they, yeah. they won't touch each other. They'll be right next, but they won't touch. So there's a lot of limitations. And I feel like it's kind of the British politeness that has... It's interesting because it, it's Caribbean and it feels kind of Latino. But at the same time, there's a lot of big barriers that acroyoga breaks. And when, it, when people get broken down by acroyoga, when there's a culture that has big barriers, their breakthroughs are amazing. So long story short, shortened, uh, these people, uh, Jason and Laura, who have a beautiful resort on the beach, they've built a community center with the help of uh, UNICEF. They got $15 million to build this ropes course and this community center. And in the community center, there's all these Signs that have inspirational quotes. It's like I couldn't imagine a better place to bring an aqua yoga festival. So for the first time, we're going to do an international aqua yoga festival in Jamaica, and we're going to have reggae music. We're going to have excursions. We're going to go to the Black River, where there's um, all kinds of amazing food and crocodiles, and there's in the ocean this bar called the Pelican Bar, where it's a mile out. You can either swim or take a boat, and they serve red stripes and rum drinks <laughs> and. Because Divine Play has already been an amazing success in a convention center. And that's because what people love is connection, like I said. But to expand the connection, not just to the Acroyogis, but to be able to connect to a rich culture and to be able to share the gift of Acroyoga with them and let them share their gift of unity, wisdom, Rastafari, food, music, it's, I can't think of anything I'm more excited about for next year.
2: That's awesome, man. I know I'm going and it's gonna be absolutely epic. There's G-
1: give me some give me some wagwan. Give me some hey, root
2: boy. Hey, hey man, you know I'm gonna be upon the beach. Don't pon be on the bumba No, no, no bumba <laughs> clout around here. Enough coconuts pon me belly. <laughs> <laughs> All I have to say is that I'm super excited because Julio's gonna be there, Koya's gonna be there. We've got just like an astonishing team of ridiculous individuals that are going to be there teaching
1: local yoga teachers as well from jamaica really yeah oh for sure there's i've connected to the yoga tribe there and there's some really beautiful people that have been cultivating their communities and their wisdom and uh, yeah bringing all these people together i just cannot wait
2: and it's going to be worldwide there's going to be people coming from europe all over right definitely oh wow this is uh, it's going to be epic i already know (laughs) i'm really excited for it um Give me an idea of how Acra yoga is transforming and kind of like your vision for where it's going and where it can go.
1: As far as uh, marketing goes, I have a really interesting view and, and I, I struggle sometimes with different members on the team about it. What's our demographic? All people. I want Acra yoga to be accessible for all people and in a business model, that's a really... Uh, unintelligent thing to do because you want to narrow your demographic and really target it, but I, my vision is that acroyoga can be for all people. And I've been thinking of different ways to access that and... Basically, it's kind of horizontal and vertical expansion. The horizontal expansion is being able to be trained in many different things at a, at a high level. So it's becoming an amazing yoga instructor, becoming an amazing therapist and massage, in uh, healing, being becoming an amazing acrobatic trainer. So, what I've come up with is being able to take one person and give them five years of training that will make them masterful, where they can become a certified massage therapist, they can be certified to lead 200 hour teacher trainings. They have the ability to take somebody into high level acrobatics. And then from there as well, being able to expand horizontally, where you don't have to go through all this training to be able to ignite the passion of acroyoga. So the Jambassador program is something that allows people, as soon as they know they really love the practice and they wanna bring people together and share the practice, giving them enough tools that they can be successful in that growth. Mm-hmm. So, AY Fit, AY Family, AY Solar, AY Lunar, is like, what is all this AY? It's the Yoga, and it's kind of like uh, with Apple, iPod, iPhone, it's being able to take what the essence of Yoga is, which is connection, trust, playfulness, and find different ways that we can express it. So, AY Fit is what we're spending a lot of attention on this year. Is the ability to create a partner acrobatic calisthenics program, and I've done some difficult test uh, uh, markets with this. (laughs) My my most amazing, one of my most amazing teaching experiences of my life, was teaching to Mexican police officers. Wow! We taught uh, an AY Fit class, and in Mexico, the police are not so yeah friendly. I've
2: been to Mexico, and the police kind of look at you like look at me crazy and I'll arrest you right now.
1: And I don't (laughs) want to say they're not friendly, but there's a, a thick line between the civilians and the police. And, you know, there's a lot of circumstances that got me the opportunity to invite them, but I invited them and there were some electricians that were working on the yoga studio at the time. And we got them to do the class. And in the beginning, only the electricians would work with each other and the police would work with each other. And I kept saying, find a new partner, find a new partner. And yeah, about halfway through the class, they all turned into kids. They were all laughing and playing and falling and Mm -hmm. nobody had the idea that I'm a police officer, I'm an electrician. We were all just in that magical land that we all want to get to where you're not thinking what you can't do. You're not thinking, am I going to get hurt? You're not thinking this guy's a creep. You're not thinking, uh, you know, I need to go get back to my job. You're really present with the playfulness. So AY Fit, I feel, is a much better introduction to yoga to many populations um so
2: when you you say fit does that is it like just fitness or how does it translate to you know the regular old gym rat
1: yeah it's it's fitness based so whether you are a fitness person everybody needs movement so it doesn't really matter and this is something that i've been really uh, diligent about finding easy enough exercises that anybody can do it and So the goal of of AY Fit is to make it approachable and also fun, and your friends become your gym, and your gym becomes your community. So you're not just becoming fit, you're learning how to connect the people around you. Because a lot of people, when they go to the gym, they put the headphones on, they work out, and they leave, and they might not share more than two or three words in one 45 minute AY fit class, you're gonna meet 20 people. And at the end of the class, you're gonna have an authentic connection with those people that can continue to feed you, whether you go out to dinner after, whether you decide to train, Acro yoga together, um, it really has a lot of benefits in it that a lot of other fitness programs don't. So, it's a way that we can bring the benefits of acro yoga to a completely different demographic. So, that's kind of the horizontal idea of expansion. AY Family is another thing that we're going to launch in 2017, which is how do we teach mothers and new babies? How do we incorporate grandparents and grandchildren? How do we just keep Uh, yoking or bringing union to a family and the ability for an ay family teacher to go on a sunday to a home and create a workout slash play ritual with everyone in the family that's also the the horizontal expansion and there are just the other day i was at the acro green in santa monica here where we all train and Ernie, one of my acrobatic friends, and he's a masterful guy. He, he, I overheard him telling a six-year-old girl, hey, that's the guy that created Acroyoga. And I didn't even see her, but I said, no, really? She was like so excited. And oh. she came over, and I wanted to fly her. And she knew folded leaf, she knew Prasarita, so she knew all the words because her mom had trained her. So wow. So even though AY Family is not launched, there are a lot of families around the world that are... Acro yoga trained, and to meet her was so sweet, and you know, I made friends with her mom on Instagram, and you know, I know I'm gonna see them again. So that's the vision of the practice: is that it keeps expanding vertically. Where if you want to get trained in many different things, you will have new skills that you can bring your passions through and create an honest uh working wage. Because a lot of yoga, you know, as an Ashtanga yoga teacher, I'm not picking on Ashtanga, <laughs> Kundalini, any any of the standard yoga forms. It's difficult to make a living Um, but I think what we've done with acroyoga is we've created um, enough infrastructure where people can make enough money to sustain a family to buy a house and this is um, what I'm thinking of with the the vertical expansion is giving people enough access to a system that will unlock their potential and give them the opportunity to be a full-time acroyoga teacher and be able to live in a normal Western society. Yeah,
2: I really see that firsthand, you know, with Tari traveling the world and teaching acro yoga. You've got, you know, Justin Bench and you've got Hansa and Claudine and you've got, you know, Lizzie. And so many people have really taken the practice and made it their own and been able to share it the way that they wish to share it with the principles that you have established. And that's an absolutely beautiful community that you're building. Um, and I'm so grateful to be a part of it as well, because it's really watching this, this evolution, I would say, of how we connect with people and bringing back true connection into our societies, where people don't even look at each other on the bus or don't even interact on, with each other when they're walking down the street. Everyone's so into, you know, their phones or whatever it is, um, that they have lost that sense of true human connection. And I think that that sense of true human connection. Is what will bring us back to creating a world that is built on peace and built on balance and built on unity. Um, that just brings me to my next question: Is what do you feel your definition of yoga is?
1: Well, one thing I just want to touch on that I think is uh, kind of uh, an illness in our society, and this this comes again from my, my Taoist teacher in college. Until you're sick of being sick, you won't see the truth. And Disease is an ease that has been dismissed because of a false precept. Mm. And one of those false precepts is what are strangers? What do you do with strangers? You don't talk to them. That's foundational in our culture. And that is such a limiting idea. And I understand, and I don't have children, so I understand the desire to protect children. But if you tell every American child, don't talk to strangers because of your fear of them being abducted, that scar that wound that philosophy is so deep and so foundational to how we interact so my definition of yoga is bringing things together making things whole and part of the wholeness is there are people out there that are going to do some disturbing really horrible things and if you let those people swing the way that we interact with each other as a species that's giving too much power to the 1% of the people that are really struggling and lost. So to me, yoga is finding wholeness and bringing things into truth and beauty and being able to discern how your thoughts, words, and actions are gonna shape your worldview. This came, came from Buddhism and I loved it. You can imagine that what you see in the world is like a movie and you're just witnessing it or you can be the projector And the world from your thoughts is being projected out. So if you think there are a lot of twisted people that are going to abduct your child, you're creating that movie. And if you believe that people are with good intentions and there's a lot more potential for us to shape the world we want, if we believe that our thoughts, words, and actions can create the space for a world that we want to live in. Definitely.
2: Become the observer of the reality in which you help to create. Yeah. Definitely. Oh man. Um, on an ending note here, I really just want to circle back into, um, that idea of connection. And I want you to, I would say, give our listeners three tips on how they can become more connected in their community and perhaps become a thought leader or an inspirational person in their community.
1: I think all things start with ourselves and I remember in my early 20s I spent a number of years on just clarity clarity is the goal I I need to become more clear I think if you get really clear on who you are and what you want you can have really deep authentic interactions and deep connections if that clarity is not there nobody's gonna be able to help you find your clarity so um, really distilling what your passions are what your Direction is and knowing it's always going to be a moving target, but clarity and then from there, um, listen to your emotional compass. If you're spending time with people and you don't feel good, really listen to that that feeling of surrounding yourself with people not just to say nice things about you, but people that really are going to bring the best out of you. Uh, if 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 I could distill a lot of the the wisdom that. My influential people early on in my life, get the negative people out of your life, be clear uh, of the quality of people that you're spending time with. And yeah, it doesn't mean that you can extract difficult people from your life, but you don't need to spend a lot of time in those situations. So um, knowing who you are, knowing what moves you, and then getting in alignment with the people that are going to continue to unlock that in you. Definitely. Well, thank you so
2: much for being here with me on the Yoga Revealed podcast and taking the time to reveal to us the depth of connection that is Acro Yoga. I truly appreciate your presence in my life and also your presence here on this podcast and sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, and your heart.
1: Sweet talker. Yeah, just being real, just being real. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I decided to spend more time in Santa Monica. It's relationships with you, with a lot of my brothers down here that have really just opened up a space for me to share my passions and to feel so supported by you and all the other people here in this community. Is uh, I'm receiving so much, so if I can offer things that will help other people find their communities and find their connection, oh man, that makes me stoked. Well, all I want now is a tie and fly. (laughs) Yeah, everyone in the company is getting one. So I've got uh, two, two down, uh, six to go. You're on the list. Definitely. Well, have a beautiful one, Jason. Love
2: you, brother. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast with Jason Niemer. Make sure to check out acroyoga.org for Jason's teaching schedule and acroyoga classes, immersions, and teacher trainings near you. For daily inspiration, check out Acro Yoga's Instagram and YouTube channel. For more awesome interviews here on Yoga Revealed, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. And feel free to give us a five-star review if you truly appreciate the interviews we do. We can't thank you enough. If you truly appreciate what we're sharing here with the world, send it to a friend that might actually need this. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the contribution that you have given to the Yoga Revealed community. Catch us at yogarevealed.com for the free manifesto, and we'll catch you back next week. Live light, shine bright. Peace, yogis.